Is your flight operation ready for the onset of winter? From the National Business Aviation Association, this is Flight Plan. This week's podcast is brought to you by Whiting Aviation Park. Ready to grow your business in Santa Rosa County, Florida. I'm Rob Finfrock with your trusted source for business aviation news. Winter weather is just around the corner, and business aviation flight departments know firsthand how freezing temperatures, strong winds, and snow and ice can wreak havoc with their aircraft and on the airports they fly into. But is your operation doing everything it can to prepare for the coming winter season? We have actually made a very significant effort to start actually getting our crews to think about winter ops way before winter ops start and start having those flow processes into our normal SOP so that way when winter ops do occur, they don't hinder or they don't uh, limit our typical SOPs that that are the ones that are keeping us safe. Dan Ramirez is general manager for the Air Shuttle Group of Exojet Aviation and lead for the NBAA Safety Committee on Single Pilot Training Operations. So Dan, we're all familiar with snow and ice on runways and dealing with that contamination on aircraft surfaces, but what are some aspects of winter flying that might not occur to us initially? For business aviation, one of the things that we are looking at at aircraft systems is, one, how the aircraft is designed to perform on a runway right? Because that's the number one thing that we're always concerned about when we're looking at winter operations. And two, how those systems interact within the environment. So on the, on the runway, we usually have one of the major systems that we don't think about and we don't check often enough as aviators, which is our tires and wheels. And what I mean by that is not just looking at them and making sure that the condition's right, but tire pressures. As we all know, tire pressure and the coefficient of pressure is what dictates what kind of tire footprint we're going to have on our runway. And that tire footprint is also going to give us our slip coefficient and it's going to give us our hydroplaning coefficient. That is key for us that when we're performing all of our performance calculations, when we're trying to figure out how much uh, runway we're going to use in a particular day, including with all of our tail park numbers and all of our contaminated numbers, we don't usually pay a lot of attention to that. So one of the major things that we're going after, especially not just in our fleet, but as a single pilot working group and in the MBAA safety committee, is making sure people realize how critical tire pressures are to that calculation. The second part is our typical SOPs. So what we've seen from especially our own fleet and our own aviators is that they focus so much on what's going on with holdover times, with icing fluid, with what the systems are doing, that they forget about our typical SOPs and about our typical flows. And we're introducing an element that is not there every time of the year when we're doing our normal SOPs. It is a significant human factors work that needs to be done with each one of the crew members to slow down, to really think about what they're doing and adding additional tasks to their day that are not usually there, which is, it's a real challenge for us. Winter weather can also be a challenge for FBOs working to keep their ramps clear and their hangars available during inclement conditions. Michael Lawrence is the operations manager for Premier Jet Center at Flying Cloud Airport near Minneapolis. As far as getting prepared for the season in general, a lot of that is focused around training. Typical line service departments will see some turnover from year over year. So you'll have some new employees that have never worked your ramp before in winter season. But you also have seasoned staff who hasn't dealt with winter operations for 
you know, six to 10 months, depending on when the last snowstorm was. So getting the training back in place for what changes when winter hits. And that's everything from how to move aircraft on icy surfaces to driving vehicles on the ramp surface, whether that be crew cars and, and rental cars for the passenger vehicles or fuel trucks or de-ice trucks, uh, anything that you are involved in driving on the surface, but also spatial differences. How do we park aircraft differently than we would when it's dry? Preparing for stacking the hangar for morning departures in case there's winter weather coming so that we can have the aircraft stay indoors as long as possible. So a lot of that just focuses around training and what is different from summer operations versus winter operations and getting everybody on board, but also specifically training for de-icing itself and then getting everyone in and familiar with how it operates, how it breaks, driving it around, just getting comfortable again using the equipment. Other things that we prepare for are meeting with the airport itself. The airport maintenance department, operations department, does the snow removal for the airport. So communicating with them well in advance of the season on how they plan to handle our ramps, where they plan to move the snow to either initially or at the end, where are they going to pile the snow? How do we get that out of the way? How do we work with them to be aware of aircraft that we have coming or going? How do we park aircraft? Because we can't just alienate our ramp during a snowstorm. We have to continue to operate it. So Having great communication with the airport team is, is key to smooth operations in the wintertime. Training also includes customer service and setting the expectations for operators as far as, you know, things might be a little different than the last time you were here, so here's what to expect. Carl Braley is the Assistant Director for Manchester-Boston Regional Airport and President of the Northeast Chapter of the American Association of Airport Executives. Carl, I understand you've dealt with winter weather conditions from pretty much all sides of the airport environment. You're right. I started off with maintenance 27 years ago. Been the snow boss at my airport for the first 23 years of my career. Last five years or so, I've been uh, director. We're a certificated airport, 139 uh, certificated, so we have some regulatory compliance obligations for winter ops preparedness. We're required to have a snow and ice control plan, which is a formal plan that outlines who's doing what, what priority one areas, what our response time requirement is uh, to meet that compliance, how much equipment, how many people, what their minimum uh, training should be. We're required to have a snow and ice control committee at my airport. That committee includes the FBL, includes any stakeholders that want to be part of our winter ops planning. We're required specific training. All of our uh, snow fighters are trained in airport familiarization, communication, uh, how equipment operate, fatigue management, the use of chemical and sand, the ability to, to disseminate field condition reports out, and that regulatory compliance requires us to have a preseason and a postseason meeting, only two as part of the requirements. And in those meetings, we're supposed to critique how the season went and ask ourselves if we're prepared for the upcoming season. At my airport, we go above that. We haven't issued a notum for this airport being closed up here in New Hampshire for my tenure. We put every effort in to ensure that we have at least one runway available and taxiways available to those individuals, whether it's 
FBO, cargo, or air carriers to continue to operate. So we do pre-storm meetings and post-storm meetings. So we, for each event, we'll, we'll meet with our stakeholders, our Snow and Ice Control Committee, about 48 hours ahead of a storm. And during that meeting, everyone gets to talk about what their business model is during the storm. We match up our response uh, to their needs. We look at the weather forecast trend. So we'll start our crews earlier, prepare earlier, not based on today's forecast, but based on the fact that the forecast trend is giving us the information that the weather forecasters are going to miss. The storm's going to start earlier rather than later. Once we get that forecast and start building our response plan for the specific event, we start by looking at what the user's needs are, whether the FBO has a full day schedule, we may put a couple pieces of equipment just dedicated to the FBO, or if it's a, um, you know, two banks, early morning and late afternoon banks, and we'll, we'll determine their needs and build our, our response to that. When it's over, we're going to about 24 hours after the event and everything is cleaned up, we'll do another meeting with the Snow and Ice Control Committee, which includes FBO and de-icers and air carriers. And we'll talk about what went well and what didn't go well. And we're prepared to change the next plan for the next event based on how well we did. That brings us to our fourth expert today on this topic. Rich Bowl is chair of the Airspace, Air Traffic, and Flight Technologies Working Group of the NBAA Access Committee. He's also the industry co-chair of the FAA's Joint Transport Airplane Performance Planning Working Group. And he's been a point person for business aviation on the implementation of TALPA, the Takeoff and Landing Performance Assessment Initiative, to provide flight crews with a more accurate picture of runway conditions during inclement weather. Rich, we've gone through two winters so far with TALPA in place. How's the program going and what lessons have we learned? Rob, I think the TALPA program so far is progressing well. The core 30 airports in the NAS are doing a really good job of reporting runway conditions using the TALPA format, as well as many business aviation airports as well. That said, we still have some compliance issues with the outlying fields there's a lot of times when the runway conditions are not being reported or the TALPA, the, the FICON NOTAM conditions are not monitored, is not being posted, and there's no note in the airport facility directory or the chart supplement as it's known now, informing the pilot that the conditions are not monitored between these hours. So we're still seeing some areas where there's little inconsistent reporting the runway conditions using the TALPA methodology. Luckily, last year, we had a fairly mild winter across the United States, so it was hard to assess whether there was a growing trend or not. We'll get a better look, hopefully, again this year to see. But we're looking for more airports, particularly the non-certificated ones, to be re consistently reporting their runway conditions using the TALPA format. TALPA AC is in development by the FAA. That AC is going to replace all the existing SAFOs and the current runway overrun prevention and advisory circular. 
where we're still having some issues in addition to what I just talked about with the consistent airport operator is trying to get pilots to use the TALPA data or absent if, the TALPA, if they don't have the TALPA data, the landing distance factors table that were published in the info 19001 that came out early last year. Biggest issue that we've got now is the availability of the TALPA compliant performance data. This data would be used in lieu of the landing distance factors tables that are published in the info. And really the issue here is getting the manufacturers to provide the data. And that's not likely to happen for existing aircraft from what I understand. It's a, basically a date forward. New airplanes are going to have it, but the older airplanes are not. What we would like to see is some bridging guidance that would allow the operator to use their existing performance data in the AFM supplements or advisory guidance. And from that data, then have correction factors or some guidance to apply it to the runway condition codes. We'll continue our conversation in just a moment. But first, a word from our sponsor, Whiting Aviation Park in Santa Rosa County, Florida. Ready to grow your business? Whiting Aviation Park can help you take off. Here, you can develop up to 200 acres for manufacturing, maintenance, repair, or overhaul operations adjacent to NAS Whiting Field. With access to its 6,000-foot runway, you'll be able to reach high and go far from Santa Rosa County, Florida, home to a large, skilled, military-trained workforce. If you're serious about growing your business, learn more about the incentives waiting for you at whitingaviationpark.com. We're back now with our panel discussing how to prepare for flying in the coming winter season. Dan Ramirez, please tell us a bit about the steps you've taken at Exojet Aviation to prepare not only your aircraft for winter, but also the maintenance and flight crew sides of your operation. I'll start first with aviation, aviator side, and then I'll go to the tech side. For our aviators, and actually as a company as a whole, one of the things that we try to do is we try to get a safety stand down before winter operations start. And we try to do it well early before the conditions set into all of our airports that we operate in. And we've had really good success because what we do is the same way the airports grab the data from the winter before, we grab the data from our winter before and we look at some case analysis as well, and as well as we partner with our aircraft manufacturers and see if there's any additional service bulletins that we need to be aware of, any changes in our operational procedures that we need to do. And we do it in a setting where focus on not flight operations, but we're focused on what's going on. So from a flight ops perspective, that is a huge advantage to be able to bring everybody in, not just our pilots, but our dispatchers, bring in our technicians and kind of have an understanding and a view of what that winter is going to look like moving forward. The other thing that we do, and it's very much related to human factors, especially for our techs, is uh, fatigue management as well as work analysis during winter. Because our work conditions do dramatically change when we're on the ground, we actually partner with each one of the airports that we operate in. It's amazing that we as aviators sometimes don't think of the airport as a partner, more as a customer to business transactions. So I would encourage everybody as we're going through our systems, right? And most of us kind of know what our big airports that we're going to hit in winter operations. And, and we understand that, that we really treat our airports as partners and as part of the equation. Treat your airports as partners, treat your service providers as partners, and it's going to make your whole winter operations that much easier as you go through it. Michael Lawrence, I'm sure you'll agree that kind of collaboration is important from the FBO side as well. 
I think it's understated how important communication is. I mean, we always say that, but winter ops is incredibly important for, for great communication. We know business aviation. We know there's not a schedule. We know that we're waiting for typically the people in the back to show up or change their plans. Or, But communicating as often as anything that you know is happening helps us prepare for you. It's not that we can't handle the pop-ups. It's just that we want to provide great service. And the more information we know, the better. We can always change. But if we don't know, then we're scrambling. So as far as finding out if there's hangar space available, just giving us up an update on the date and time that you plan to come is crazy important. We, we can track you in the air. We can see if you're going to be later. We can see and we can handle cancellations. It's All of that's not a big deal. It's the show up unexpected that makes us scramble because we want to make sure we're staffed adequately. So just having as much advance notice is super helpful to allow us to prepare for you for your departure or your or your arrival and then just asking for patience and flexibility because we are working with another mother nature we are working with airport maintenance we have employees trying to get through snowstorms in sometimes rural areas trying to get to work on time so the snow challenges all of us uh, and we do our very best to be prepared as best we can to make sure your operation goes smoothly Carl Braley, what advice do you have for business aviation operators flying into your facility in New Hampshire or to other airports as we approach the winter weather season? COVID will have an impact on winter operations this year. Whether aircraft operators are going to notice it or not, uh, my fear is some service is going to be diminished either for cost-cutting measures because some of the airports are are operating at 20 to 30 percent of the revenue, some even less or the fact that we've got to protect our snow fighters from the pandemic, meaning we have to disinfect and sanitize and and split shifts in half. So look for, or at least talk to your airports about, you know, what COVID is going to do to this winter operation season. Uh, the other thing I'd like you all to know is we need pilots perception. We don't necessarily see it. No one's reporting for you. When we meet with airlines or the FBOs, we're given your flight time, we're given the type of equipment that's arriving. But what snow fighters don't know is we don't know that there's a crosswind component for you when we're giving you runway condition codes. So if we're giving you runway condition codes of three and we are not paying attention to the crosswinds, we're expecting you to land not knowing that the type of aircraft you have may be unable to land on three if there's a 15 knot crosswind. We don't have that information. We don't know all the factors for landing long or a tailwind or or if you're landing heavy or if you're running or landing on my runway that has a one and a half degree downslope if you're if you're coming in from the south. So that communication needs to get out to uh, the snow fighters. There is a certified training for snow fighters now. So there's the International Aviation Snow Academy, which certifies airport snow fighters, which introduces them to this type of information. Otherwise, you're, if your airport's not using uh, certified snow fighters, they're not calculating your uh, factors into uh, their snow plans. I will tell you that airports try to treat every aircraft equally. We want every flight to come in and we're 
doing everything in our power to get you, or we should be doing everything in our power to give you no worse than wet runway conditions. Don't expect taxiways to look like runways though. Our priority is to get you down, safe, landed, and unfortunately that takes most of our resources. So be prepared to exit onto a condition that's far different than the runways. Communication and planning are definitely emerging as important themes when we talk about flying safely in winter conditions. Rich Bull, what are some resources available for pilots on handling winter weather, and what areas do they address? Both Transport Canada and FAA publish annually the Seasonal Holdover Table and De-Icing Fluid Guide. This is a comprehensive document that discusses the application of the fluids. The application guide is pretty much for the folks that are actually applying it and uh, using the fluids, but there's a lot of good flight flight crew information in there as well. The seasonal holdover tables provide the yearly updates to the different types of fluids that come out any changes to the holdover times for those tables, any changes to the application information on it as well. Frequently, the OEMs will take those tables and will provide them to their operators as AFM supplements or pilot guidance supplements. And a lot of the times, the application information is adapted for their particular type of aircraft. Outside of the de-icing and anti-icing area, another important consideration is the cold temperature restricted airports. This is a change that the FAA made a couple of years ago to identify those airports in the NAS where the instrument approaches could be affected by extremely cold temperature altimetry airs. Every year, the FAA published an info and published in the Noticed Airmen publication a list of airports affected. Uh, That information went out to the charting agencies and on the U.S. government charts, the snowflake was added on the Jefferson charts, a note was added with the appropriate temperatures. With the sunset of the Noticed Airman publication in May, uh, that information has now passed to the AIM. So with the with the April edition of the AIM, there was a brand new section added. Where we discuss the cold temperature altitude or cold temperature airport correction process. So that guidance now lives in the AIM. In addition, the cold temperature restricted airport list has now moved to the FAA's digital terminal procedures publication page on the FAA's website. So if you want that list and the specific segments of an approach, just go to search for uh, terminal procedures publication. Uh, go to the search page and scroll down to the bottom. It would also be a good time to review the SAFOs on Talpa. And I would encourage operators out there to begin incorporating this type of guidance, uh, the Talpa application in their training. When they go to the Part 142 schoolhouses, ask the training provider to put you at a runway that has some challenging runway conditions. Ask the SIM provider to put you on a runway, put some challenging runway conditions, put a crosswind in there, and do your training, do your projected takeoffs, do your maximum performance landings with those type of conditions, and get your crews used to applying TALPA data. And ask your SIM instructors to provide the runway condition codes. 
that gets them involved in the process and hopefully that will spur greater involvement in the, the training and familiarization of Palpa within the business aviation community. The September-October 2020 edition of NBAA's Business Aviation Insider delves into these and additional concerns about winter flying. You can find that article at nbaa.org forward slash winter. Additionally, NBAA's weather resource at nbaa.org forward slash weather offers a wealth of information about operating through winter and other adverse weather conditions. And that's the latest from the National Business Aviation Association. Thanks again to our sponsor, Whiting Aviation Park. And remember, you can subscribe to all Flight Plan episodes at Apple Podcasts in the App Store, wherever you find your favorite podcasts, including by asking Alexa or another connected device, or download them from nbaa.org. I'm Rob Finfrock. Join us next week for a new episode of Flight Plan. Flight Plan.